Hi, I'm Kylie Wynn Efron. And I'm Nan Kavanaugh, and welcome to Everyday Mindful. A space for real talk on weaving the magic of mindfulness into our daily lives. Let's dig in. Hey, Kylie, this is exciting. This is very exciting. We're finally here. We're finally here. We're doing it. Something new for the new year. Perfect. It's a perfect it, time to start. It only it took us only took us a year, but we got oh, here. Only a year. Only a year. But you know, good things come to those who wait. So true. So true. Or masters of procrastination. It's one or the other. I like to think about it now as just flowing with the energy. (laughs) It makes me feel better. It makes me feel less like I'm procrastinating. I like it. (laughs) I feel like I'm going with the flow. It's working so far. I'm sticking with it. Awesome. Well, we are kicking off this podcast uh, talking about New Year's resolutions and the psyche of intention setting and, and really kind of exploring that question. Like, why does a fresh start feel so fucking good? I know. I'm excited. As you know, this is my favorite subject in the whole wide world. So I'm really excited and I'm really excited to be, I'm actually really excited to be digging into this a little later, digging into this in February because I'm a big believer um, and I'm not, of course, the only person to believe this, that um, January 1st is a physical new year, but February 1st is the energetic new year. That's the year where we really have like set into the energy of the new year in, I really kind of think of January as like a bridge month. It's a bridge month to that energy. And so it's not really a time for a lot of action. I think um, people get super frustrated because they just want to dive right in and they want to get going. And I actually think it's a time for some reflection, a time for some integration. And so I actually think it's perfect that we're talking about this in February. Yeah. I I did a little digging on kind of like the history of New Year's resolutions, and it all started about 4,000 years ago in Babylon, and their New Year actually started in March related to like the spring planting season. Oh, that makes sense. So, yeah. Makes so I, yeah. So in thinking about, you know, January is kind of like when you decide what you're going to do. February is when you kind of start settling into it, and then March is when if you're actually going to do it, you are maybe actually like planting the seeds in the ground. Um, I don't know. I like this idea of intention setting really being more of like a first quarter, a first quarter activity. Agreed. Definitely takes the pressure off, right? I think it yes. definitely takes the pressure off for sure. And I also think in January, you're still kind of experiencing a little bit of like a past year hangover. From, you know, and so it takes oh a little time to get in. And it actually makes more sense to me to think about a new year kind of beginning seasonally, like a new year kind of beginning when we actually plant seeds, when things are changing and when we're actually ready for some growth, which is what spring is really about, right? Like yeah. spring is when we plant those seeds. It's when we set those intentions. And then summer is when that fiery energy, when the action, when the work comes. And then August, we harvest. Yeah. Winter, we go inward. So I actually really believe that the cyclical nature of the seasons is in line with the cyclical nature of our bodies. And I think just energy in general. So I definitely, um, I think that a lot of reasons, I think there's multiple reasons why people kind of lose sight of their resolutions. One is just the word resolution, which we can get to. But I think a part of it is trying to dive in too quickly when we do need a little bit of time to digest and kind of settle in to what is happening with the energy and what does the energy want from us. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good, a good point thinking about like wintertime is not this time to start anything. Like it's the opposite. And so it is kind of weird that everyone's like January one getting started. Um, it doesn't feel energetically aligned with how you're actually feeling about doing anything. Well, I think you're also, like I said, in a bit of a hangover from the year. If you Mm -hmm. think about it, December is the busiest 
for most people, it's crazy, right? It's filled with parties. It's filled with work responsibilities. It's filled with family obligations, holidays, all of these things that keep us going, going, going. And it's, I mean, I've always found it almost counterintuitive because it's also December is when winter solstice takes place. And that really is the season for wintering. It's a time that we're supposed to go inward. It's a time we're supposed to slow down a little bit. It's a time we're supposed to reflect. It's actually not a time that we're supposed to manifest a lot. And when I started kind of honoring that energy and fighting against myself so much, I found I didn't get sick as often. Um, I found that when I gave myself permission to actually allow myself to kind of winter in mm-hmm. December, my body was in more alignment. Um, it's a, it's definitely a juggling act because you have to juggle the social events and the holidays and all of those things. But I found that when I started setting the intention to slow down a little bit, to get a yeah. little cozier, to not try to do much of anything in December other than what are those familial obligations? What are those holiday obligations? That really helped. And then when I get to like January 1st, I just kind of feel like I'm in a bit of this like sludge energy, a little bit of hangover that I have to kind of shake out before I can really dive in and have any ambition and have any energy. Um, And I also, I, I also start thinking and reflecting on what I want to release in December, like what I don't want to bring into the new year with me so I can create a little space and carve out a little time to like actually um, manifest some of those intentions that I have. Yeah. So, so where are you at right now with your, your intentions for 2024? Well, we're in February, so I'm on fire. I'm actually very (laughs) excited, Uh, but January was definitely a month where I was, I was tired in January. I knew what the- I was really exhausted. I had my Mack truck. Yeah, that's how I felt as well. I knew the intentions I wanted to usher in to this new year, but I had no physical energy to do it. I really was in this phase of where I was really sitting into this new energy. I could feel the energy. I could feel it coming. And then literally February came and all of a sudden I had the energy to start taking some action. So I'm actually really feeling really excited because I feel like I'm ready to manifest some goals that I've had for myself professionally, this podcast being one of them. And I feel like I have the mental energy and I also feel like I have the physical wherewithal to do it. And I also feel like I'm in a healthier stage with intentions. Like I, I don't set resolutions for myself anymore. I set intentions for what I want for the new year. And I think I'm in a better place of setting more, um, even if it's something big I'm working towards, I'm able to distill it down to smaller steps. I'm able to understand that I may not accomplish all of it this year, but if I can start to make some steps towards what I'm trying to achieve and allow for whatever outcome comes out of that, I am much happier. And so I definitely feel like I'm in a healthier, I feel like I, you know, I feel like I had a bad boyfriend, like resolutions were my bad boyfriend and I finally broke up with him. And so I'm finally, I finally found like the more stable guy and his name or intentions instead of, (laughs) instead of easy to be with, just someone that's easy to be with. Exactly. Somebody who accepts me for who I am and doesn't have super intense expectations of me as well. Maybe ones that are slightly unrealistic for sure. How about you? Where are you at with it? Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like January, I was really tired. And and this year, I'm doing something a little different. Like I decided to choose a word and I chose the word movement mm. as my intention. And I'm applying that word to different things in my life that I need to make movement on. So movement on my physical health, like being actually like making those doctor's appointments. I'm not, I'm not the best at, at that. I've, I've been to my dermatologist this month. I've been to my OB this month, making movement on my physical health. I've been started my yoga practice. I'm two weeks into a daily yoga practice, which I had totally let fall to the wayside um, so trying to get more physical movement and then also just movement in my creative life, 
projects that I've been dragging out, trying to, to wrap them up or make intentional movement forward on them. Um, and then also just uh, being a part of the movement, definitely investing energy and activism because that's just part of my, my, my nature. Um, but I did feel like I, I, I set this intention and then I was like, okay, let's do it. And so February, it was like a million doctor's appointments, a million meetings. And it, it just, it's been overwhelming my February on fire, so to speak. And so now I'm like, okay, maybe we need to like work the word balance into this movement um, and be more intentional. You know, you actually think of it as an intention, like, okay, Nan, you don't have yeah. to do it all at once at the beginning of the year. Like this is a whole year long process. You can, you can move a little slower with it. Well, I like the idea of intention because it allows for multiple outcomes. And that was one of the things I kind of, I I didn't have a word per se, but I definitely had kind of a tone that I wanted. And one of the, one of the most important things that I keep, it keeps presenting itself to me already and that I'm really trying to apply more this year is releasing my attachment to the outcome. I have really clear intentions on what I want to accomplish this year. I have really clear intentions on what I want to manifest. But once I have set those intentions, I'm working right now to allow a little bit more space and release, just release my attachment to what the outcome looks like, to like allow for more of an unfolding process, yeah. to relax a little bit. Cause I'm not a very relaxed person. I'm actually a fairly type A person. Like once I commit to something, I'm like a dog like with a bone. Like I just can't yeah. stop. But I often wear myself out or get frustrated and I'm just really trying to, which is not always an easy process, but I am trying for, to just institute a little bit more allowing into the process yeah, so that I can let it unfold and just be a little bit more open to what might come my way or what the outcome might look like. Because I think the reason why I don't set resolutions anymore I don't really believe in them as I think that there's this like intrinsic nature to a resolution that implies like gripping. It implies I'm going to resolve my way. I'm going to will my way into something. And I don't believe that we manifest anything from a place of will. I think we feel our way into it. We don't will our way into it. And if you don't allow space for a variety of different outcomes, or if you don't allow space to allow yourself to just feel all the emotions that rise up when we start doing, you know, when we start working towards something we want, um, because nothing comes easy, right? Um, You don't really achieve anything. And I actually think that's probably one of the primary reasons why a lot of people kind of fall, um, why resolutions kind of fall by the wayside. One is the content of them, like what's, you know, how are they aligned with you? But the other is this idea of this like grip that I'm just going to like will and push my way through. And I actually think that we achieve much more when we soften, when we find like that middle space, that little minutes, middle space. We talk about it in yoga, the middle space between effort and ease, that like softer spot. So yeah. that's for me why I don't really, I don't love the word resolution. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it either. And I don't think that if you're going to, if you're going to try to do something for a year, you need to make it, you need to make it something easy. Not, it doesn't, it doesn't have to necessarily be easy, but I think it has to, it has to not feel like a chore. It has to feel like, um, I don't know. Life is, there's enough chores. Okay. Adulting is hard. We all have a lot of chores. And the last thing you want to do is make something that is supposed to benefit you and, and make you better in some way. Um, uh, you know, make it, make it feel miserable, you know, make it feel like it's an obstacle that you're trying to push a boulder up a hill, you know, um, versus just being that water moving around the boulder. Absolutely. And I think also to allowing for a little bit of curiosity, that's the other aspect I'm trying mm-hmm. to kind of put in there. Because I think that sometimes we might set an intention. We might say, oh, we really want this and we want to go after it. But we have to, I think, allow for the possibility that maybe it's not the best thing for us. 
or maybe the way we have designed to get there isn't the most holistic for us. Um, maybe a particular form of exercise isn't great for our body, even though we thought it would be. Um, I think that we just you have to allow, like you said, a little bit of space, a little bit of flow in the water to get to the outcome that you yeah. are designing, which once again, I think comes back to that like place of, of allowing. And I, I love the idea that you kind of, instead of creating these like strict parameters that you just kind of created a word, right? I've been thinking about that a lot because I'm, um, I have a lot of dietary restrictions. Like I have a lot of nutritional restrictions because I'm sensitive to gluten and I'm sensitive to nuts and I'm sensitive to seeds. And it can be really challenging because it really limits what you're capable of eating. And, you know, I recently realized, you know, I was trying to be, I was trying to layer more restrictions on the way I ate so that I could achieve a certain physical outcome. So I could get in my best shape, so I could be my strongest. And I started realizing that I just needed to relax, to just release a little bit. Like instead of thinking about what I, what restrictions I need to put in place so I can lose something or gain something, I just started thinking about what do I need to nurture myself? Like what foods do I need to nurture my body? And how can that nurturing also include moments of joy? And so it's been, and listen, it's, it's a challenge. It's triggering for me. It's triggering me a little bit yeah. when I go to eat that way, when I'm not being concerned about how I do it and what format and if I'm combine, combining certain foods. Cause you know me, I'm a little bit of a nutritional buff yeah. and, um, I'm finding it really freeing. I'm finding moments of it. That's really uncomfortable. So I can spend some time and I can really look at that. Um, but it was this idea of like, and just maybe what, what would happen if I just accepted myself as I am and what would happen if I just looked upon like my physical movement and my food from a place of nourishment. Yeah. And what would that look like? Yeah. And I don't know 100% what it looks like because I've just started. Yeah. <laughs> but but I am – that's kind of like the tone and like that's the word I'm definitely implementing for myself this year is just nourishment. Yeah. But I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But I'm I'm very curious as to how it feels along the way. I, I think thinking about, you know, you, you said the word nurture and how I think our intentions for the year when we set them should be nurturing and, and approached in that way. I think when I hear resolution, I think like grind culture. I think yeah, like you are pushing hard, you are, you have a, you have set your mark and you are hitting the ground running. And no matter what, you're going to, you, you know, you have that resolve to get it done. And I think we need to, I think we need to start thinking a little bit more about nurture culture. Like, I think we need to find a, a way, a phrase to push back on, on the grind in general. I mean, there's a lot of people, we are married to chefs. I don't know about your chef, but my chef loves grind culture. Yes really loves it, um, struggles to understand why I am not particularly aligned with it. Um, but you get a lot done. I mean, you wear a lot of hats. So. Thank you. I do. Clearly it's working for you. It's organized chaos. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think it. it's just the word resolution is hard. The grind is hard. And life, I mean, life has suffering, life has struggle, but we shouldn't be making it harder. And I feel like intentions, Agreed. it just sounds easier. It does sound easier. And I agree with you. I think that, um, I think that some people are really powerful. Like I'm a pretty powerful manifester. I'm one of those people that yeah. if I set my mind to something, I make that happen. Um, that is always something that has come pretty natural to me. But I also believe that you can manifest from a place of ego, you can manifest yeah. in a very unaligned way. So you have to be kind of mindful 
of that. That's why there's people who aren't very good people who can be very rich or very powerful. You set your mind to it. And if you're a powerful enough manifester, you can absolutely actualize anything, but it doesn't necessarily mean what you're manifesting is actually good for you or what is in alignment with you. And that kind of gets back to the grind culture that you're talking about. Because if you're in this grinding mode and you're in this heavy, heavy production mode, there's not a lot of space for reflection. Nobody no. is reflecting just when they are it. working 65 hours a week, you know, or when they're pushing their body to the yeah. brink. And I think sometimes we can also grind and push ourselves with goals or with things we want to manifest to avoid the healing or to avoid the work or to avoid the uncomfortable emotions or whatever it is we have. So I think when you can allow for a little bit more nourishment or nurturing, it actually allows a bit more space and time for you to reflect and actually pay attention to the signals your body is sending you, to the thoughts and the emotions that are arising as you are trying to push through this work. Because I definitely believe there is a difference between an ego manifestation and a soul-aligned manifestation. And intention is kind of the backbone of that, right? It's the spine. Mm-hmm. So what's your intention for doing something? Um, because if you have the right intention, like right intention matters, you're going to ask the right questions. You're going to explore the right avenues. So I think that um, that's why allowing a little bit more of a nurturing environment, um, you can still be immensely productive and you can be a powerful manifester, but maybe then you start to manifest from a place that's actually more aligned with what your soul desires, what you actually need physically, emotionally, mentally, because you can absolutely will yourself into what on the surface maybe looks great. Maybe you've willed yourself into a beautiful new home. Maybe you've willed yourself into making a lot more money, but what if you're miserable doing it along the way, Yeah, you know? So I think that, or your health is at stake or all these other things are at stake because of, you know, and you know, I've worked in the restaurant industry for a long time. I worked 65 hours a week alongside my husband and yes, we produced a very successful restaurant out of that. I also gained 30 pounds, was having regular anxiety attacks, had difficulty time sleeping. And it's not to say that that dream of that restaurant wasn't good for me because it was in so many ways. And I healed myself in so many ways and it taught me so much about myself. Um, It showed me what I was capable of, but it also almost single-handedly destroyed my health. And it wasn't until I slowed down and started to reflect a little bit and make some space for other things in my life that I was able to see that. And I was able to start to get my health in order and manifest some other dreams. Like I I was so focused on that dream. I didn't even have time to think about all the other dreams that I had that I wanted, that I really wanted to manifest. So I agree with you. I think that um, nurturing and slowing down gets a bad rap. Mm -hmm. And because we tend to believe that um, we have this very like divine masculine like we we have this masculine viewpoint on how you achieve goals. Yeah. And I, I think, wonder why. I wonder why <laughs> exactly. But I think that what I've seen the most in the last especially since 2020 is this balancing taking place between people honoring their divine feminine and their divine masculine energies in balance because they should be in balance. You know, I spent the last year in this really intense place of like feminine flow, like really working for my divine feminine, which meant I took my day. Every day was a little bit different. I really flowed with where my energy is. I would do certain work depending upon where my energy levels were. And that was very productive for me. I got a lot out of it. And granted, I am self-employed, so I have the um, luxury of being able to, you know, shape my schedule as I desire. Yeah. Um, but then I realized after a year of really focusing my energy on that, that it was time to start weaving in some more of that divine masculine energy, which is the structure and the stability. But ideally, you have that creative female feminine flow supported by that masculine structure to, to, to really manifest things. And that has honestly nothing to do with gender. That yeah. just has to do with the two energies that are present in all of us. But we tend to get one that kind of dominates and one that takes the, you know, the 
um, supporting role. And ideally, we need to find this place of balancing between the two of those. And so I think when you take a gentler approach and a more reflective approach to what you want to manifest and what your intentions are, um, and that's why that month of January is so important, not just diving right in, um, you're going to, in the long run, achieve so much more. In my opinion, you're going to achieve so much more than somebody who grinds their way into it. Yeah. And, and thinking about just the different types of energy, right. And the importance of energetic alignment when you do choose to manifest or create change in your life, you know, I think that there is a, um, I feel like I know for me personally, I have to really keep myself in check because I am just, you know, we are indoctrinated from a young age to be in grind culture and to not listen to ourselves, but push through, do the thing that has been imposed on us because it's what we have to do and we have to do it a certain way. And if we don't do it a certain way, society is going to look down on us. And I think when you think about setting intentions and making changes in your life, it's so important for it to align with you as your own entity, you know, and, and not, and try to let go of all those societal expectations on how to do, how to achieve, how to make, um, and, and really think about the different aspects of your own energetic system. You know, some people are more, I think feminine aligned and masculine aligned and, and some people are, are the opposite and some people are a wonderful balance of both. Um, and, and not that the other being, being one or the other is an imbalance, but everyone has their own energetic way of being. And I don't know, there's this phrase quantum manifestation I hear thrown around a lot. A lot. I don't really know what it means, but I have a feeling maybe you do. I do. I am a um, huge proponent of quantum manifestation. Um, it's something that it's something that I was dabbling in, and I was practicing it for some time. But I was kind of practicing it in parts without really like fully understanding what it was. And then um, I was um, working with a, a program called Align Within, and it was a really pivotal program for me to work with because it really helped me on my spiritual journey. And um, it was the first time I heard the phrase kind of coined as quantum manifestation. And it really helped me to put a language and a vocabulary to some of the work I was already doing and kind of created the system steps. And what I think it does in the most powerful way is it allows us to actually truly align with what is good for our soul, what we truly want to manifest. And the only way you do that is the only way that we can really align with our best intention is to do the healing that is required. So what quantum manifestation does differently than say other techniques of manifestation is the first thing that it does is really address and look at what is holding you back. Because really the only difference between us actually accomplishing something or manifesting something is that we have to act differently, right? You need to act in a different manner than you were acting before. But that's a little bit easier said than done. Like how do you make that step to actually act differently, to do things differently, to respond differently? And the biggest way that we need to do that is by really reflecting and creating space for ourselves to heal. So you take a situation like um, a curveball that's thrown your way or something that's really triggering to you. When obstacles are thrown your way, they're really just kinks in your energy field that want to be smoothed out. And they typically rise up in the form of fears like, oh, I'm not good enough to, I'm not good enough to have my own podcast or no one's going to want to listen to me. What do I have to say? You know, that's a fear that's rooted deep down within you. So the work in quantum manifestation is to sit and to get still and try to look at the core of what that fear is so that you can smooth it out. Because each time a fear rises to the surface, it's an invitation to smooth it so that you can actually step into the frequency that is aligned with the frequency of what you want to achieve. 
And the only way you can do that, the way, you know, you hear people say that if you really want to manifest something, you need to be able to feel into it, right? You need to be able to feel that visceral experience in your body of what it would feel like to achieve it. But the way we do that is by smoothing out those kinks in our energy field. And the kinks are their fears and they rise up for a reason. So rather than, let's say, a fear rising up and giving you anxiety and you kind of just push it away. And maybe pushing it away is even something as simple as, oh, I exercise so I don't feel as anxious. Or I do this so I don't feel as anxious. Or I read. And it's not that those distractions aren't timed and needed at times. But to really do that work, you need to go through the steps of really examining that fear. And the other component to quantum manifestation is that it heals not just this life, but it heals past lives as well. It really works in the quantum. So the steps that I always take is that when a fear or an emotion or something has risen up, I close my eyes and I identify where the source of it is in my body. I literally ask myself in my head, where is the source of this in my body? Where is the seed is what I always say, where it's planted. And I always find it leads me to, it's typically leads me to a chakra, to like an energy point in the body. But that almost, there's of course useful information and in knowing that and understanding what chakra it's located in. But really the most important thing, even if you don't know anything about that, is it's the seeing. It's knowing where it lives within the body. Yeah. And, and I think having the conversation with yourself. Having the conversation. Don't ask themselves. themselves. And your body will provide the answer. It will lead yeah. you to exactly where it is. So once I know where the location is, I just kind of watch it. I don't try yeah. to push the emotion away. I let it kind of dissolve. And that's what happens is I'll watch it for a few moments. When I'll you say watch, watch it, what does that mean? Like you're I like mean, literally looking at I your just, boob, like is it in my heart? No, like, what I mean is that so you're looking for where the emotion's stored in the body. Okay. So I kind of identify, let's say I hear it's like in my chest, like in my heart center or in my throat. Mm -hmm. And then I just watch the emotion. I just sit quietly and let myself experience it. And maybe that involves crying, maybe that involves sadness, but what ends up happening when you just kind of observe it is that A, you realize you're separate from it and B, it starts to soften and it starts to dissolve. So yeah. once that process starts, I then ask myself, like now I ask myself, what's the source of this? And I'm always like 99.9% .9 of the time then led to like a childhood experience. Yeah, or like your parents. Let me guess. Yes, like, yes, like your parents. <laughs> yes. Often it's there. Yeah. I'm almost always presented with whatever the scenario is. And then listen, you know, I do energetic healing for a living. So I send Reiki to it. I send healing to it. But even if you don't do that, you can still send healing to it. You can send an affirmation to it. You can go into that experience that you're watching and go hug that little girl and tell her that she's loved and tell her that it's okay. And then I'll often ask too, like I think about it as I'm, there's ancestral healing. There's, you can heal for your parents, for their parents. And yeah. so I'll often then see what's the healing. Why did they experience it? Why did, you know, your parent act in such a way? And I try to send love and healing to them. Um, and I think if a person does just that, they're going to experience a tremendous amount of healing. Yeah. I then take it to the next level and, and I ask what that past life source is. And if you can't do that, that's fine. It doesn't really matter. I think that first layer of healing is really just seeing it, sitting with it, and kind of identifying the source. Yeah. And every single time I do that, all of the discomfort just starts to melt away. And once you do that, that resistance starts to melt away. And then once you've done that, you've softened one of those kinks in your energy field and you're able to re-enter into the situation. And listen, you know, we heal. I always say like our body's kind of like an onion, like a layer of it will reveal itself to you that's ready to be healed. And then you'll do that healing and you'll be like, oh, I got this. Like, I'm amazing. I'm totally healed from this. And then like 16 months, six months later, you get smacked in the face with that problem again or that sensation yeah. rises. The triggering happens. The triggering happens, but the difference is is that every single time we bring our awareness to it and our attention to it, a level of healing takes place. Yeah. Another layer is stripped away. So its grip on you has lessened. Yeah. So when I do that work, 
I'm then able to act differently, to respond differently. So healing is intrinsic to the process of manifestation. And that's how you truly, in my opinion, how you heal and how you actually align with what is in alignment with your soul with your true desire, not just like, I want to have a rockin' body. Nothing wrong with wanting to have a rockin' body, but I think asking yourself why you want to have the rocking body is really important. Do you want to have a rockin' body because you don't think you're worthy of love if you don't look a certain way? That's a very different yeah. question than I want to be strong. I want to really take care of myself. I want to see where I can, you know, yeah. I want to push myself athletically. They're, they're very different intentions set. And I can tell you most great athletes are not doing it because they want to have a rockin' body, right? Their intention is to develop themselves, to excel physically in some form. And so their intention is really different than a person who just wants to be skinny. I'm not shaming anybody who wants to be skinny. Um, But that intention matters, right? It really, really matters. So I can certainly eat in a really restrictive manner and work out in a really restrictive manner. And I can 100% manifest the body I want. But if that is not aligned with my soul, it's not going to last and more pain will rise up and more issues will rise up. So the idea is that we allow healing to take place so that we can align with what really matters to us. So that, that's in my opinion, how that's how I use quantum manifestation. I work with a lot of my clients on that. And you can do it in stages. There's no, You don't have to be intimidated by the fact that you don't have to send Reiki or you don't have to send energy. You don't have to do anything. You, Every person has 100% within them the power to heal themselves. And they also have their own intuitive gifts that they can tap into. You know. You yeah. know. You get yeah. quiet and you yeah. look at things. You know the answers are there. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, this idea that if you want to make real change, if you want to manifest real change in your life, you've got to, you've got to change your internal vibe to allow that to take place. Like if you're holding a lot of energy baggage inside of you, like you said, you aren't going to make that change in a healthy way. You've got to, you've got to you've got to let go. You've got to move through um, some of the internal challenges that we all carry for a million reasons. Things that happen in our childhood, traumas that happen later in life that we have no control over. I mean, my God, we just went through a global pandemic. Um, and it's so important just to take the time to listen to yourself, listen to yourself. You know, if you aren't listening to yourself, you really can't, you you really can't listen to anyone, to be frank. And moving forward in life um, in a healthy way and manifesting the dreams that you want, it, it, they aren't, they just aren't going to come. They aren't going to come in a way that aligns with your happiness. You know, I know so many successful rich people who have it all and they are miserable. And they're miserable. They're miserable. Well, I also think it's not really sustainable, right? If it's not in alignment with us, it's not really sustainable. One of the other ways that I think you can kind of get to the core of that healing, let's say you're not a person who's comfortable sitting down and closing your eyes and taking the steps that I just said. I get it. That's not, that's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Um, And sometimes we have to move energy in our body first to get to a place where we can sit still. Yeah. But one of the other methods that I think that everybody can do is um, I call it soul writing. A lot of people call it morning minutes when you literally just sit down and you just start writing stream of consciousness. Yeah. And that might mean for the first minute you're writing, I don't know what to write on this paper. Like when I started doing it, that's what I was doing. But now I sit every morning and I just put pen to paper and I just start writing and it is unbelievable what comes out. And when I actually pose, like sometimes I'll start with the question and I'll pose, you know, why am I feeling this way? Or, what do I, whatever, I, I pose some question to it. And then I just start writing and the truth will surface. If you start oh, yeah. asking yourself the right questions, it will surface. And the simple process, that is an, that's an act of seeing in and of itself. Just yeah. writing it is we cast spells with spelling. I remember my teacher used to say that, you know, you, if you want to put something into action and you want to truly understand, just start writing. And yeah. let it just flow through you. Don't worry about grammar. Don't worry about whether it's good. It's literally just purging. And once 
some of that, like um, the gook and the on the top purges out, you'll get to the kernels of truth. And that is an act of seeing. That yeah. is an act of seeing. And it's also, I think, an act of expelling. And I'd be curious. I mean, you're you're a writer, so I'm curious um, if, if you practice that or what your thoughts oh, are on that. Yeah. I mean, I've kept a journal. I have all my journals since I was 10 years old. And I have a daily writing practice. I write in the morning. And I, I do just what you said. I just – sometimes it's like, you know, I write about like the shitty night's sleep I had. And then I write about how that's going to affect my day. And then it evolves into something else. And it's for me and it's a, it's honestly, it's for me, it's an easier way of talking and listening to myself than sitting and in feeling. Um, and it also, oftentimes it provides me the, the prompt I need when I do sit and I, and I do do that more quiet, energetic work through my writing. I often find the question that I pose to myself in that, in those quiet spaces. Um, and, you know, I think in thinking about intentions and, and, you know, you said earlier, it's, you have to, it's the act of doing something and doing something differently, um, to manifest something. Um, I think we have this mindset, like if, you know, we set this intention, we're going to do this thing every day, or we're going to do it three days a week. And then maybe we do it for a few weeks and things are going smooth. And then like, for example, like I'm going to walk every day, but then it like rains for a week. And then you're like, fuck, I'm done. Like I, I didn't do it. I, have, I didn't do it. It's over. And then you like, maybe it sputters back up a little bit, but you're already feeling defeated through no fault of your yeah. own, whatever it may be. But you know, that idea that you can always start back up. As long as you, and you don't have to do it, you can do it different ways, different times. If in the morning doesn't work for you for, you know, journaling or, you know, maybe it's later in the day before bed. Um, but the key thing is just to do it. And they say that like to form a habit, you know, to make that change, 21 days for something simple like flossing and you, you, you will have formed that habit to something bigger, more like 10 weeks. But also know if there are days where it doesn't happen, you just you just pick back up. You just pick back up. You don't you don't give up. That's I think really important. Agreed. And I think also too, you pivot. Like pivoting is a really important pivoting is a really, really important skill set in life. It's a skill set at work that's incredibly important. Yeah. It's a skill set with your family, with your children, with your friendships. You need to be able to have the ability to pivot. Because I think if your intention is I'm going to walk every day, like you said, on the day that it rains and you can't walk, well, well oh no, what am I supposed to do? Right. If your intention is to move in some way, if your exactly. intention is to get physical, then maybe you sit down on a yoga mat in your living room for yeah. that day. Maybe you do some squats. Maybe you walk around your living room, whatever that is. Maybe you, you say vacuuming is a form of walking. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but I also think too, where that real big kernel comes up is what are the emotions and frustrations that rise up when you can't do what right. you wanted to do? Because to me, that's where like the kernel of growth really yeah. is, is, yeah. oh, well, why am I so frustrated in this? Is why am I this, making this such a big deal? Why is this so important to me? Does this mean, do I not trust myself that yeah. I can just pick back up tomorrow? Right. Do There's a lot of I things that will, yeah, exactly. Like a lot of things will rise up. And to me, that's where the healing happens. Yeah. So if you heal the part of you that rises up in these moments of frustration, then you're going to get to the source of what you need faster. But you have to be able to look at that and allow for it, you know, allow yeah. some and allow for flexibility. Because once again, if you're like, I'm only going to get to my goal if I walk five days a week, well, that's not really realistic because what happens when your kid is sick or what happens yeah. when it's raining or what sick. happens when you, or what happens when you injure yourself? Right. What happens when you injure yourself? I remember years ago, when I went back to practicing yoga regularly and for the first time I was experiencing relief from anxiety again, I was getting in touch with my body again. This was a few years into um, when we opened the restaurant and it really, really helped me manage those things. Mm -hmm. And then I injured myself. I hurt my yeah. back. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, oh no, I'm not going to be able to go to yoga. What am I going to do? This is terrible. This is this thing that's been making me okay. And without it, I'm not going to be okay. 
And what ended up happening is I just went into class and I just kind of took the shapes. Like I could barely bend over anymore. I couldn't push myself anymore, but I just still went into the space and I approached it from a really gentle place. And that injury ended up like a year later, I realized that I, I had, was stronger. Mm-hmm. I had gone deeper into my practice because I realized that I was kind of pushing my way through it. And my meditation practice started to evolve and open itself up to me. So sometimes that curveball that is thrown to you is exactly what you need. That yeah, thing that makes true. you think you're off track. So once again- align. It helps you align to what you actually needed because that's mm-hmm. we trans we don't transform when things are easy. We don't transform right. when things are fluid. We transform when things are tough. And when I mean what it, what is manifestation? I think manifestation is kind of a form of transformation, right? A hundred percent. In and of itself, which would mean that it's not easy. Like transformation isn't ever easy. No. Nobody magically transforms. You transform through work, Um, whether that is emotional work, spiritual work, physical work. That's how we transform. That's how we grow. That's why we're here. So to think that you're going to manifest without any frustrations, without any sadness, without any difficulties is kind of absurd <laughs> I dream. it is dream. you know but I mean we all have it right we all yeah you know, yeah well, yeah oh my god I love things that come easy honestly absolutely and I'm not saying that we don't ever get anything easy yeah. I do think we have periods of ease um but generally speaking the things the meat of our lives the things that we truly want do come typically out of difficulty yeah yeah struggle at a struggle, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, what does a muscle do to develop? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you think about how a muscle it. and when does a, and when does the muscle actually build? Why it's resting. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, that's really true. It's like you work out really hard and you work out that muscle group and you work it out to the point of exhaustion and it's building it's actually creating little tears in the muscle, right? It's actually kind of damaging it. And then you're supposed to take a rest day because then all of a sudden those tears are repairing itself and the body starts to repair itself and it builds upon itself. So fascinating. I had no idea. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of fascinating when you think about like what the body does to just yeah, physically really build about it. muscle. So I really believe that it's the same thing when we're trying to manifest or build other, you know, other aspects of our life that maybe don't involve our physical muscles is that there is an aspect of work, there is an aspect of tearing down, and then there is an aspect of building back up through rest and reflection. Yeah. Well, speaking about muscles, I think next week we're going to be talking about flexing our creative muscles. I know. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I'm pretty excited too. Um, And I just want to say today has been really great. It has. It's been fun. Talk about manifesting something that we've been trying to, I mean, we started talking about this a year ago and I, I knew, I knew it was going to manifest. Like I could see it being such a beautiful relationship, but it did once again, take time, right? It took time for you and I to be able to find the space and to be in a place where we were like really fully ready to take action. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's February. I don't either. It's my birthday month. We tried in January. Remember, we actually tried to do this in January. We tried in January. Did not work. We'll share that episode at some point. Exactly. Um, Well, thank you for today. And thank you for you. And uh, for all y'all listening out there. Thank you, friend. We'll see you soon. Hear you soon. soon. Feel you soon. I don't know. You're there. We know it. Don't forget to follow us on social at Everyday Mindful Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And if you liked our little chat, please subscribe. It would be great if you gave us a review. All the stars, please. Same time, same place next week. Bye. Bye.